Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, fellow fans of the history of Egypt. I'm Lantern Jack, host of a podcast called Ancient Greece Declassified. What sets Greece apart from other older, perhaps grander civilizations like Egypt was its roller coaster paced political and technological development. I mean, from 800 BC to 100 BC, a mere blink of an eye historically speaking, the Greeks went from being illiterate shepherds to the builders of astronomical calculators, steam powered devices, and the biggest library the world would see until modern times. My podcast is dedicated to understanding why these rapid changes occurred, and I do that by interviewing world experts in ancient history and archaeology. If any of this piques your interest, check out Ancient Greece Declassified wherever you get your podcasts or at greasepodcast.com. And now, enjoy your feature presentation. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the History of Egypt podcast, episode 144b, Senedjem Menai. Today, we tell the story of another person who worked for and with young Tutankhamun, a royal caregiver and tutor. He helped raise the pharaoh of Egypt. Today, his story is preserved in a tomb that few people know about, so I thought we should give him a moment in the spotlight and revive another figure from the world of Tutankhamun's court. This episode comes to you as a gift of Jeremy, Martin, and Jeffrey, who generously donated to the podcast. They are true disciples of Thoth, the sacred Ibis, the lord of writing and wisdom. I am sure that Tutankhamun's tutor would agree. To everyone listening, thank you for joining me. On with the show. Last time, we met a woman named Maya. Maya served Tutankhamun as the king's menat. A menat is a wet nurse or tutor. It is an old title with different meanings in different contexts. We covered that in her story, but what I did not mention is that this title has a male variant. Besides menat, you will also find references to menai. Menai is the male equivalent of this word. Again, it translates as nurse or tutor. Basically, Menat and Menai are female and male caregivers, educators for Egyptian children. The man we are talking about today was a Menai. He worked for Tutankhamun and he participated in the king's education. So he was probably a colleague of Maya. He may have worked alongside her teaching young Tutankhamun. This man's name was Sen-Nedjem. Sen-Nedjem, or Sweet Brother, served the king of Egypt. He worked for Tutankhamun as an educator and a caregiver. Officially, Sen-Nedjem was the Emirah Menai, the overseer of nurses or teachers. 
It's a broad title, and we do not know exactly what things he was responsible for. There are some clues in his tomb that I will come to in a moment. First, let's get a sense of Senedjem's place in Egyptian society. Like his colleague, Maya, Senedjem was close with King Tutankhamun. He proclaimed that closeness in his tomb. On the walls of Senedjem's monument, we get a range of titles, describing how great this man was, and how much the pharaoh loved him. Apparently, Senedjem was, quote, one who is uniquely perfect in the heart of the king, end quote. So King Tutankhamun had a high opinion, or a good heart, towards Senedjem. How sweet. Also, Senedjem was, quote, beloved of the god, confidant of the king, end quote. So Tutankhamun, the living god, loved Senedjem and had confidence in him. Pharaoh trusted Senedjem. Again, how sweet. Finally, Senedjem was, quote, the mouth, or speaker, who made peace in the entire land, end quote. In other words, Senedjem gave good counsel. His opinions were wise, and he would calm any situation. It all sounds a bit extra, but these titles do convey something. People like Senedjem earned their position based on one thing above all, their personal relationship with the pharaoh. So when it came to crafting their tomb and their legacy, these people emphasized that idea. With that in mind, we should always be careful with these titles. They are grandiose and a little bit pompous, but we should dig beneath the surface to get a better appreciation of what they are saying. When Senedjem speaks of his trustworthiness, his ability to give advice, this is not necessarily boasting. These titles can have genuine social significance. We have seen this sort of thing before, many, many times before. Royal officials of Dynasty 18 really emphasized their relationship with the monarch. They described themselves as influential people, folks with a good social status and network. Even if they were not top-ranking officials, like a governor or a bureaucrat, they could still play on the soft power of relationships, influence, and connections. People like Senedjem used these ideas to communicate their position in society. So Senedjem was a big shot thanks to his relationship with Tutankhamun. His job as overseer of tutors gave him access and influence with the king. The question is, how did he get that job? Well, we don't know. It is unclear how Senedjem arrived at his position. He does not give us a biography or a list of earlier titles before the big job, so it's a bit vague how he arrived in this place. If I had to guess, I would think that Senedjem was like Maya. He was a tutor for Tutankhamun as a prince. Then, when the boy became a king, Senedjem rose up in the world. Basically, I suspect that these people were in the right job at the right time. When Tutankhamun ascended, the people who educated him had easy access to power. That is speculation, but you can imagine that Senedjem and Maya had a lot of influence over Tutankhamun. At the start of his reign, they would have been important members of his household. We actually get hints of this in Senedjem's tomb. 
Once Tutankhamun became king, Senedjem assisted and tutored him in certain things. We do not know exactly which subjects he taught. Perhaps he conveyed skills like writing and mathematics, or maybe he was more active, teaching the king to ride chariots and use weapons. We do not have any detailed record for Tutankhamun's education, but Senedjem may have left a clue. In Senedjem's tomb, one of the walls bears a picture. We see the pharaoh riding in his chariot. Tutankhamun stands in his cart, wearing the blue crown. He drives forward, horses prancing, with a falcon soaring overhead. In front of the chariot, soldiers march with banners and symbols of the king. Behind the pharaoh, a group of men ride their own chariots as part of the royal entourage. This scene, with the pharaoh in his cart, is a common trope of the late 18th dynasty. We have images of other kings like Akhenaten and Nefer-Neferu-Aten doing the exact same thing. So Tutankhamun is appearing in a conventional narrative. That being said, though, there is one curious detail. As the king rides his chariot, he is not alone. Another figure stands beside him. This passenger is small, much smaller than the king, and he leans forward in the cart. At a glance, we might assume it is a driver, somebody leading the chariot for the boy pharaoh. That is possible, but there is an alternative explanation. At the risk of fantasizing, I wonder if the figure in this chariot is Senedjem himself. The overseer of tutors might have added his own image to the scene as a way of conveying his job. At the very least, it would emphasize his relationship with the king, and emphasize his prestige. At the risk of even more fantasizing, I wonder if Senedjem was the man who taught young Tutankhamun how to drive a chariot. Chariots are not easy machines to use, they were the sports cars of their day, so Tutankhamun would need a tutor. Perhaps Senedjem helped the king to learn this skill. We could imagine the tutor guiding Tutankhamun as he learned to wield the reins. Again, this is pure speculation on my part, but somebody had to teach the pharaoh, and Senedjem is as good a candidate as any. The scene is damaged, and it doesn't convey any specific details about the context, unfortunately. But if the person riding with Tutankhamun is Senedjem, then maybe, just maybe, it shows him doing his job as a tutor, teaching the pharaoh to perform an important skill. The overseer of tutors, Senedjem, was an influential man. He had high status and prestige in Tutankhamun's court. He worked alongside Maya, and he might have educated Tutankhamun in certain skills. Today, only traces of this work survive, but they give tantalizing hints at the daily life of these people. Of course, there was more to Senedjem's life than just work. Like Maya before him, he also conveyed some of his personal beliefs in his tomb. We get a glimpse of them today. In chapter 2, we explore the personal life of Senedjem, where he came from, who his family was, and how he honoured that family on the walls of his burial. That is after the break. See you in a moment. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 2 In Dynasty 18, many high-ranking Egyptians chose to build their tombs at major cemeteries. Areas like Saqqara, Amarna, and the west bank of Luxor are littered with the monuments of wealthy, influential people. Senegem did not build his tomb at one of these sites. Instead, his burial is located in another region, a small town about halfway between Amarna and Luxor. It is called Akmim. Akmim is a noteworthy town of Dynasty 18. It seems to be the place where Tutankhamun's grandmother, Queen T, originated. And it might be the home of the king's advisor, the courtier I. Basically, Akmim is a prominent town for the period. Several people came from Akmim and achieved high rank in the palace. Sanedjem seems to have been one of those people. The tomb of Senedjem is located west of Akmim, in the cliffs that border the Great Desert. Locals have known about this tomb since the 1970s at least, but the first archaeological excavations began in 1988, which means that work was happening on Senedjem's monument in the year that I, your humble host, was born. If that makes anyone feel old, well, imagine how Senedjem feels. Anyway, the tomb was excavated by archaeologists from the Australian Centre for Egyptology and the Egyptian Antiquities Organisation. Over the course of three seasons, 1988, 89, and 1990, they cleared, documented, and conserved this tomb. The tomb is large and impressive. Apparently, Senedjem invested heavily in this monument. The walls of this tomb are damaged, and a lot of the art has disappeared but archaeologists were able to reconstruct some parts of it. So we know the tomb had images of worship, Senedjem giving offerings to Osiris. There was a large funeral scene showing Senedjem's mummy travelling on a boat. The boat sailed along the Nile, heading for the tomb. Along the way, Senedjem's family and associates threw up their hands, mourning his death. We see this in fragments on the wall. The style is similar to the tombs of Amarna, so perhaps Senedjem started his work in the reign of Akhenaten, or just afterwards. Either way, the tiny traces give a glimpse at lavish images and scenes. Within the tomb, hieroglyphs refer to other members of Senedjem's family. We hear about a woman called Neb-en Ma'at. She was the lady of the house, and a senet, or sister, of Senedjem. There was also another sister, Henut Nefret. So Senedjem had a couple of siblings living in his household, and he may have prepared part of his tomb for their burials. Finally, there was his wife, a woman named Chui, or Tui. 
Tui had the title Chemet F, meaning his wife. She was also lady of the house, and a musician who worked in a temple. Tui shows up a couple of times, referenced in the tomb. She is the only one who has the title Chemet F, his wife, so I would guess that she was the primary companion. That is uncertain. Ancient Egyptians had a really convoluted system for describing family members and relationships. So take these with a grain of sand. For now, I am working on the assumption that Neb en Ma'at and Henut Neferet were sisters or female relatives, and Tui was the wife. I may be wrong, but that is what the evidence suggests to me. Coincidentally, Tui is also the name of a bird in my country, Aotearoa, New Zealand. Tuis are medium-sized, living in forests and suburban trees. They tend to be black, with a tuft of white at the throat. And they have a beautiful call that is one of my favourite bird songs. Just for a moment, let's hear the wonderful Tui. That has nothing to do with Egypt. Tui's just sound nice. And the name of Senegem's wife reminds me of them. It is a tiny parallel between the modern world and that of ancient Egypt. Senegem invested in his tomb, building large chambers and including decorations of his family. Along the way, he left traces of his life and career, which today gives us a hint of his world. Of course, all of this work had one purpose, to prepare a place of burial. Senegem designed his tomb on a grand scale to display his status, his prestige, and that of his family. And he put special effort into commemorating the people of his household. As we round out this episode, I want to look at one last part of the tomb. A piece of decoration, kind of like a gravestone. On the outside of the tomb, next to the doorway, Senegem erected a stela, a tall, round-topped carving. It was beside the entrance, so people could see it when they visited or walked past. Originally, the stela would have featured bright paint, colours to catch the eye and invite offerings. These colours are lost, scoured away by the wind, but traces of the decoration survive and they give a quiet testimony to Senegem's family. The stela takes the shape of a tall rectangle with a rounded top. It features images of Anpu, Anubis, and the Eye of Horus as a protection. Most of the scene focuses on the family members. In the main part of the stela, we see a group of people. They take the form of mummies. The stela features four bodies, They are embalmed and wrapped, ready for their journey. On the right, figures of the living come before the mummies. These living people raise their hands to show mourning or grief. One figure even lies on the ground, clutching at the feet of a mummy. The details are tiny but effective. We get a sense of the sadness, the mourning, and the love given to these people. The hieroglyphs on this stela add more detail. Around the outside, we see texts dedicated to the dead. The first part offers praises to the gods, and it begs the deities to protect the bodies inside. 
It says, quote, An offering that the king gives for Rahorakti and Anubis in front of the god's shrine. May they, the gods, grant that the body remain, that it does not go missing, that the ba, or soul, rests at its place every day. May it be an effective spirit in the sky with Ra. May it be strong on earth with Geb. May it be true of voice before Osiris. End quote. The prayer was simple. May the mummies remain undisturbed within their tomb. May their souls travel to the divine land and stand beside Ra, Geb, and Osiris. May they be honest, true of voice, effective, and strong. In short, may the dead earn a place in eternity. I like this text. It may sound generic, but you get a sense of the hope. A prayer for immortality, security in the great beyond. To anyone who read it when they passed by or came to give offerings, these prayers could help the dead enjoy the next world. The next line is interesting. It offers further prayers, but includes some curious references. The stealer says, quote, An offering that the king gives for Osiris, foremost of the Westerners, and for all the gods of the sacred land. May they, the gods, permit the dead to see the Aten and to behold the moon. End quote. The prayer references Aten, or the sun disk in a literal sense. It does not make a big deal of it, but the reference helps us put this prayer in context. Senedjem and his family lived at a time when religious ideas were changing. The religion of Aten was fading as older traditions returned. People like Senedjem, who lived through the reign of Akhenaten, had picked up some of the ideas floating around. But when Akhenaten died and Tutankhamun came to power, these people started to leave Aten behind. They referenced the god, but only in more traditional ways. By the time Senedjem prepared his tomb, Aten was returning to his older, smaller status. Besides Aten, the prayer also references the moon, or Iach, which I quite like. The idea of seeing the sun, Aten, and beholding the moon, Iach, has a nice symmetry. Twelve hours of sun, twelve hours of moon. Put together, an eternity of enjoyment. It's just a small detail, but I like it. Finally, the stealer offers prayers for the deceased. Specifically, the family of Senedjim, the people on the stealer. These texts appear above the mummies, so we get a sense of the individuals destined for this tomb. On the top, we find the sister Neb-en-Ma'at. Next to her, there is Senedjim himself. Below them, there is Hanut Nefret, and presumably the wife Tui as well. Unfortunately, the stealer is really damaged. A big chunk of the decoration is lost. Even the surviving figures are just outlines, partial traces of people and names. So we're missing a big part of the image. All we get are tiny traces. Senedjem designed his tomb, preparing his house for eternity. He and his family would enjoy an afterlife together. The prayers and offerings given by the living would sustain their spirits. Together, they would bask in the light of Ra, the protection of Anpu, 
and enjoy the sight of Aten and Ea, the sun disk and the moon disk. Today, traces of this eternity survive on a windswept cliff west of the Nile. Senedjem and his family lived through the reigns of Akhenaten, Nefer-Neferu-Aten, and Tutankhamun. As an overseer of tutors, Senedjem rose high in society. His connection with Tutankhamun gave him status, prestige, and influence. As a result, his tomb is grand, a monument to himself, his family, and their hope for immortality. Today, the tomb is in poor condition. The mummies are lost, and even the surviving parts of this monument are damaged. But still, the traces of these people survive. As we speak their names and remember their deeds, they may live again once more. Thank you for listening to the History of Egypt podcast. Next time, we return to the big events of Tutankhamun's reign. We have covered the pharaoh's ascent and his religious policies with the restoration of Amun. We have seen his foreign policies in the north, and we have met some of the people who made his kingdom operate. Now, it is time to dive into some of Tutankhamun's grand projects as pharaoh. That is next time on the History of Egypt podcast. The music for this episode was by Keith Zizzer and Jeffrey Goodman. They generously allow me to use their songs, and I am eternally grateful. To hear more of their music, follow the links in the description, and please, consider supporting their work. Bird sounds for the TUI came from New Zealand Birds Online, a fabulous resource for all sorts of information. Again, link in the episode description. That's all from me. Enjoy your week. Take care, and may the Aten shine upon you by day, the moon by night, and may Anubis guard your door. Before we leave this episode, I should make a quick note. The man we discussed today, Senegem, has a slightly uncertain name. In his tomb, we see two versions of his identity, Senegem and Senked. It is unclear if these variations refer to the same person or two different individuals. To keep things simple, I have used one version only. This is the version that most historians use in their books, so it's the easiest one to find him. But just bear in mind, if you want to learn more about this man, you may find him under the name Senedjem or Senked. There are links to more information on the podcast website. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the next chapter. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.